1: To get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
2: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova.
3: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan
4: Wawrinka. I'm
3: Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: Well, hello. Welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. My goodness, it's a windy old day, Catherine Whittaker, as we stand here just ahead of the night session. And we've witnessed Carl Edmund against Denis Shapovalov. We've seen Venus Williams go through. All sorts of stuff has happened so far today. How's your day gone, Catherine?
5: Better than it went for Marin Cilic, I think. You didn't mention. That's probably the... I mean, in an ordinary Grand Slam, that probably wouldn't be as big a story as it is, but the only Grand Slam finalist or champion left in the bottom of the draw going out. Big
2: old story. It is a big old story. Qu- quite a surprise. I mean, one or two people suggesting... That uh, certainly Mark Petchy felt that Diego Schwartzman would win uh, uh, that's what I heard after the match but um, Marin Cilic on paper former champion, that leaves a huge gap now in the bottom half of the draw because I mean we already knew it was pretty open but there is not one player who has reached a Grand Slam final in the bottom half of the men's singles
5: and if you w- w- wonder what that huge opportunity and the pressure of that opportunity does to people. Just look at the fact that Sam Querrey, the only man in that bottom half of the draw that's been well no, yeah Dominic Team's top half isn't he? The only man in that bottom half of the draw that's been in a Grand Slam semi-final. He's currently a set all against Randy Walbot, lost the first set and I struggle okay, okay I don't know this for sure but I struggle to think that's not something to do with the situation he's in. This enormous opportunity the like of which has rarely been seen in men's tennis. I mean Australian Open 2002 when Thomas Johansson won and I remember Tim Hemman was the top seed left in at the fourth round stage or something and then lost to to Jonas Bjorkman but beyond that I can't really remember a Grand Slam like this in the bottom half certainly, not the case in the top half on paper at least but in the bottom half it's it's getting getting a bit silly now
2: (laughs) It is getting a bit silly, I, I know what you mean that pressure is starting to tell on certain players, one man who doesn't seem to feel pressure I don't even know if you can call him a man. He's a kid, is Denis Shapovalov. And he's qualified. He's come all the way through to the third round. He's played Kyle Edmund. Edmund, I thought, played pretty well. And I felt quite sorry for him because he had to pull out with, a, with that neck injury at the start of the fourth set. And the right hand was on the wall halfway through that third set when he first started to feel the twinge. But he was going hammer and tongue at it with him, wasn't he? But I still felt in that third set that it was starting to turn Dennis's way, to be honest, because he's just got such a complete game.
5: Yeah, I still feel like it's a match or a portion of a match that we can analyse because it was kind of something that went for Kyle Edmund rather than an injury he he came on to the court with that, that grew worse. It, it, it was something that that went while he was serving in the uh, the game prior to him calling the trainer on the court. So we can analyse what was happening before that. I thought Kyle played really well and there are the um, the cliched positives for him to take from that match and, and the whole experience, but I agree with you. Shapovalov was figuring it out and settling down and getting the better of it, and I do think, injury or no injury, he probably, uh, as, much, as much as you can say anything confidently about this tournament, he probably would have come through. And I think, from a Shapovalov perspective, that's a really encouraging sign. That's something he hasn't had to do in this tournament, the fact that he... It wasn't all going his own way. He wasn't just striding out there and everyone marveling again at how amazing he is and just how serenely he responds to every situation. He he didn't in that first set. He was struggling a bit with timing. I think he was struggling a bit with the light at, at at the right on the right side of the court. As you look at it from the umpire's chair, the the fact that the ball goes in and out of bright bright sunshine into dark dark, dark shade. Um, but he figured it out and he didn't panic and he settled down. And if he's going to, I'll just say, go deep in this tournament at this stage. Uh, he's going to need to be able to do that. He's not going to do it in all straight sets, romps like he did against Songer. so the signs are good for him. What, what I find
2: particularly impressive, and there's many things to find impressive, and it was interesting watching Kyle try to unload on his forehand, and the various parts of Shapovalov's game dealing with that power, the, the backhand, which is... S- struck so sweetly the forehand which is a weapon all of its own really and I don't think it probably gets quite the headlines that it deserves I think it will end up getting them because it's a destructive shot but the biggest thing for me is the way he competes every single point he doesn't check out of matches he doesn't go walk about for 20 minutes he keeps on trying and you know I mean look you were quite scathing about me when I suggested there were similarities between him and Leighton Hewitt. I stand by it. He looks like him. He gives me the same feel in terms of his body language. Um, and, and I mean, look, the ferociousness of, of Leighton Hewitt's attitude to every single point. Maybe that's that's a step too far at this stage. But but he is a real fighter.
5: It's interesting, though, that he told us after his win over Sanger on the on interview that that jitteriness at the change of ends, which for me, is reminiscent, that aspect of him is reminiscent of Hewitt, that sort of leg's always jiggling and or just cannot sit still. He's manufactured that, it's a confection that his mum told him to do because she said that he, he was suffering too many lulls in concentration um, after the sit-down, so she said just keep your energy up throughout the sit-down, keep, keep, keep the buzz alive. So he's confected that, which I find very interesting. His mum, incidentally, who, who's his main coach, she's not here, because she's got another job as a coach at a club back in, uh, back in Canada. And uh, he very sweetly said after the match that, yeah, that's, you know that, that job's also really important to her and it's a very important time of year and he doesn't... I'm sure she'll be here for his next... I mean, his dad's on holiday in Greece...
2: Awesome. (laughs) He's
5: he's, he's a he's a child. Without he's he's a an unchaperoned child.
2: Better not stick him on another (laughs) night session because I'm quite. I'm not even sure that's legal. Anyway, uh, Dennis Shapovalov. The other thing is to just mention about the guy is that he is really starting to capture the imagination around here. Not only is he getting the Arthur Ashe Stadium billing, he is getting a lot of media interest. We're now at the stage where our good friend Nicola Rosani from the ATPU, who works out all the timings for the players' interviews and gets them where they need to be, he was, he was texting me today uh, saying... For your interview, and it wasn't actually me who did it; it was, it was a colleague of mine. For, for the BBC interview, could you do it while walking to the ESPN interview? Because that's how many you've got to do. So, I mean, look, I, we totally understand that that's what it's like, and we we fit in as best we can. And and but that's that's how it is. There's a block of time, and if he's going to be able to at least recover for the next match and do all the things he needs to do, you've got you've got to try and slot all of these interviews in he does them with really good grace does uh Dennis shapovalov from what I've seen so far he is only 18 hope that continues but well he rolls on tell you what though Pablo Corina Buster in the next round that's tough
5: it is tough because he's he's so so solid he's the sort of guy that can find out and experience I, I, I still pick shapovalov I, I mean I picked him for the quarterfinal before the tournament so I can't duck out now that everyone else has realized how good he is so <laughs>
2: you slightly don't like the fact that everybody's just yeah. jumping on the bandwagon don't you um
5: so yeah I'm, i i think it'll be a tough test a tough test but i've i've got to stick with it now
2: haven't i honestly you, if you could see her face right now how <laughs> pleased with herself she is I I
5: i'm pleased with the situation he I, I haven't felt this way about uh, tennis, but he makes me feel like a kid discovering tennis again for the first time. There's just something so new and exciting about. It. I can't really. It's difficult to describe. I just want to watch him play tennis. And there was a Eurosport did a a high mo um, uh, sort of graphic of his backhand just because Annabelle was wanting to demonstrate the follow-through on that backhand and and I agree with you that it's the flashier shot but the forehand is actually probably even better but in terms of aesthetic grace that backhand so the follow-through he he not only opens the his arms go back they almost touch his hands almost touch behind his back I mean I'll shut up now but he's really good
2: (laughs) Just just watch the the high-mo or whatever one of those is. I have no no idea.
5: It's it's slower and more um, high-res than slow-mo. It's an an upgrade on slow-mo.
2: TV talk. Don't understand (laughs) it. I'm a radio bloke. Anyway, uh, so that happened. Denis Shapovalov is very much through. Um, We await to see what happens with John Isner and Sam Querrey. On the women's side of the draw, Venus Williams was comfortable today. Straight sets winner over Maria Sakari talking about being comfortable, Garbina Magarutha. Somebody didn't send her the memo that uh, this is the tournament of upsets, did they?
5: She's she's, just, she's not having any of it, is she? I mean, she looks better and better with every round. She's, she's ominous to me, really, really ominous. It's quite often you get these... Um, draw obviously not in the men's but these draws where everyone falls away and there's just one person at at the pinnacle that's that's watching it all happen and it kind of feels like she's that one at the moment but there are there are others venuses look great kvitova look great really great this morning six love. they play
2: against each other Against
5: caroline garcia she's played three really tough matches three tough opening rounds she's won them all extremely convincingly now i'm 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 not going to get overexcited. It's still very early days in her comeback, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but she's been very convincing so far.
2: She certainly has, yeah. So, Gabinia Yimagarutha is through. Now, before we have a little bit of a look ahead, do you know what I'm going to do, Catherine? I'm just going to have a little wander over here because as a very special guest, in New York this year, we have... Student Matt at the US Open for the very first time. Our very own student Matt, Catherine and He's standing here outside the practice course. Who'd all, have thought we it? We all
5: live in the UK and it's taken us all to decamp to New York to get student Matt on. Highlights of
2: your journey here so far, student Matt.
3: Well, hello everyone. Um, well, just being here really. Um, Arthur Ashe w- walking out there for the first time. Cl- after climbing all the stairs, um, but yeah, what what a stadium that is! Um, watching Shapovalov, I know we both like, well, we all like him. Um, and for me, the best match I saw was Zverev versus versus Churich out on the grandstand.
2: Oh, really? Why why was that?
3: Just these thirty-shot rallies on break points. Um, big. I mean, an upset. I had Zverev getting to the final I think and I think we all we, we, we all did really. all, all we didn't
2: did talk, did we we, didn't we talk
5: don't talk about, about predictions really. anymore no
3: no, no sorry <laughs> um, what else what was, that? What was it who, who were the crowd going for in that match out of interest they were going for choric I think after the first set because they wanted a match um, but then then they were going for Zverev and he had three set points to take it to a fifth messed it up with a really long rally and Yeah, I mean, they were really rooting for him. Really good atmosphere on on the night session, and it's everything the US Open was about, really.
5: I could hear the roars from that match on the grandstand court over on the temporary Louis Armstrong court where Kyle Edmund was playing Steve Johnson, which is, I mean, there's probably, I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but not that much. There's probably about a mile in between those two courts. They are at the two opposite ends um, of... Uh, the, the the tennis centre here, and I was I, I was delighted to be watching Carl. Don't get me wrong, but hearing those roars, I was envious, and I could see on Twitter that you you were there, Matt, and I was I was a bit envious.
2: Yeah, student Matt has been here, everybody, wearing his tennis podcast t-shirt. Oh. That is how dedicated we're talking uh, about his uh, his dedication to the cause. Uh, that's it for you though, isn't it? Now uh, you've got to go home to to reality.
3: I do. Yes, got a. Yeah, I've got to watch it on the TV, listen, you know, cha- which what, is great.
5: Listen to the radio is, is what radio. you were going to say so What channel would that be on, Matt?
3: Eurosport. And listening,
2: meanwhile, with an earphone in to...
3: BBC Radio 5 Live. And, and then every night... The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we've got him
2: absolutely <laughs> brainwashed here on the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Matt, it's been lovely to see you. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for all you do for the Tennis Podcast throughout the year. This guy, is a legend, isn't he?
5: He's, he's a ledge I tell you what saying that. that felt awful coming out <laughs> Catherine Whitaker felt awful I will take it
2: she's down with the kids Catherine Whitaker is here Matt safe travels home lovely to see you now we've got to look ahead to let's just step over here next to our bags, so that A somebody doesn't blow them up <laughs> and B uh, somebody doesn't walk off with them Catherine the um, an
5: explosives dog coming over that would be great
2: well that's right actually if you haven't seen the new Catherine Whitaker feature it's
5: not new it's not new it's just the world that are late adopters.
2: OK, well, like Catherine has started her own uh, little feature, which is Catherine has pictures with guide-guard dogs, isn't it?
5: God, they're not, no, they're police dogs. Police I dogs. I mean, that, that feature is a feature of my life, just just approaching random dogs and asking if I can cuddle <laughs> is, that, is that what you do? Yeah, that is, that's a sort of daily thing. Have you
2: ever had an owner go, do you mind just going away?
5: <laughs> no, because dog owners are the best people in the world, David.
2: I'm not a dog owner. Yeah. Get on it. Right. Uh, so, tomorrow, we, <laughs> we have various people on the order of play. I tell you, my Agnieszka Radvanska for the final pick is going to take some serious examination tomorrow. It's going
5: to take a literal battering.
2: From Miss Coco Vanderwey, because those two are going to go head-to-head tomorrow on the Ashe Stadium. And... I don't know. And I mean, what, look. I, what? <laughs> I, well, first of all, I th- I've got I've got Agnieszka Radwanska going all the way, haven't I? But what, what do you think, out of interest?
5: I think Van der going to win. Uh, I, I, she's. It's going to be a test of. Uh, what Pat Cash we are going to hear from in a minute has been working on with her which is patience and not feeling like you have to why don't we hear hear,
0: hear from Pat let's hear what Pat Cash has got to say about it all well you know what she's a a really passionate American player she always plays Fed Cup Uh, she always wants to play for the Olympics you know this for her is is the biggest event there is Uh, I mean obviously Wimbledon is is huge as a a tournament but for her to have her supporters here and everything and, and it throws up a different um a different drum uh, issue of course was that, is that she wants to perform so well in front of her, in front of her fans, and um, you yeah, know she struggled in in, uh, in the first round and and, and got it together but um, you know what we 've been working on is really trying to bring you know and I talk openly about this to her is is trying to bring the the really good Coco that we know and the bad Coco... Closer to that good cocoa. So that when on the bad days, and if she's nervous, and if things don't go well, that she can settle down really quickly. And and that sort of involves a whole lot of things from sports, from psychologist to changing her changing her technique to to focusing on different issues on how to play points and how to learn. So, and this can't be done overnight. And uh, but I'm really proud of the things that she's done. Uh, she's improved unbelievably. Um, we haven't necessarily seen the results yet. She. Uh, she had a great week in Stanford at the beginning, of the beginning of the tour where she got to the final, had a really good final and won the doubles as well. And, and um, so, you know, obviously we're hoping it all comes together this week, but, um, you know, we're pretty confident it'll come together at some stage.
5: So what's the good Coco then? What's the Coco you are hoping to achieve more of the time?
0: Um, well, less unforced errors. I think that's, that's obvious. She's got the power. There's no doubt she's got the power. She's got, uh, she's got the serve that... Uh, uh, we've tweaked a little bit. We're trying to get the, consi- the, the service percentage up in that area. Um, we, uh, her returns have improved out of sight. Uh, so it's, it, it was always a bit hit and miss. So she would she would hit two winners and she'd miss three shots, three uh, errors, and and that was you know that's she would break serve and then some and then all of a sudden she would you know make mistakes and people would always say. Oh, my, you know, what's wrong with her? She can't concentrate. There's something wrong with that. And then she'd lose her temper. She wouldn't know why. You know, she was, like, so frustrated. And, you know, a lot of that was down to t- technique. Um, we had to, had to fix that up. And she gets an understanding of that now. So, you know, if she can make returns and if she can stay there and thereabouts with the girls at the back of the court, um, her power will take over eventually. And that's what, we, that's what we sort of want to do and say, listen, you know, if you hang with these girls... Eventually, they're going to say, well, how can I beat this? How can I beat Coco? She's not making mistakes. That's that's the old Coco. She used to make mistakes and give her free points and games and sets. Uh, we don't want that anymore. And, and she's doing it. She's really achieved a lot in that area.
2: So there's Pat Cash talking about Coco Vanderwey ahead of her match against Agnieszka Radvanska on Saturday. I, I love that combination. Pat Cash and Coco Vandere. I mean, I sat next to them in the commentary box um, on the Wimbledon semifinals of Thomas Burdick against Roger Federer when Pat invited her into the commentary box to sit up close and watch Roger Federer's footwork. And it was, it was just fascinating to see. Um, somebody trying to learn from the very best um, and he's trying to he's trying to instil a slightly different approach and attitude and yeah, I, I, I hope it I hope it prospers as, as a combination but I still think that Radvanska may be able to just tie her up in enough knots that she can't get out of.
5: I think she'll tie her up in some knots, I just, I just think she found a way to we'll undo those knots in the end she is, I, I think that relationship really works, I can't quite put my finger on why but Pat's really into it he's really really into making that making a success of that and making a success of her Um, I think he's nervous I think she's nervous in a way that she's never been before playing here in in New York as a slightly different player to 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 what she's been before when she's played here you know he mentions the fact that all her family come and watch her when she plays here and that puts a different spin on things so I think she's putting pressure on herself, but she is the most self-assured person I've. I mean, it, it it it's so alien to us Brits, isn't it? I mean, Americans in general, but she's the most American American <laughs> there is. And some of it, I mean, I, I love that Americanness, but it's to such an extreme that some of it grates on me. I must admit, when she was in the ESPN studio yesterday, just like. Running the place, um, they were loving it. The, the crowd here were loving it. it it's great, but at, when you at,
2: say running a, the place, what do you mean?
5: Just like s- sat there, like she owned the place. You know, some of the quotes coming out of uh, 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 I can't, can't quite. Just
2: extreme confidence. Just
5: extreme confidence. Yeah, and that's you know, she's unapologetic for that, and uh, well, she it, wrote it, it, gets it. Her far. It's just, it's just. Um, doesn't always sit brilliantly with our Britishness, does she, it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, well, we apologise for existing <laughs> most of the time, as you can tell. If I name drop, I'm, I'm, I feel embarrassed about it. <laughs> oh, well, I've got a bit of name dropping from earlier as well. Shall I tell you about that? I'll do that later. Anyway, Karolina Pliskova uh, is going to start the order of play tomorrow against uh, Zhang Shui of China. We've got uh, Agnieszka Radwanska against Coco van der after that. Then it's Rafa Nadal against Leonardo Meyer. Nice job with the interviews yesterday, by the way. I enjoyed the Tony Nadal and Carlos Mora. If you haven't heard those, go back and listen to uh, yesterday's podcast because that was very interesting evening session, Catherine. We spoke at length yesterday about Roger Federer against uh, whoever he played. Who did he play yesterday? Nicole Eusne. Oh, yeah, that was that that memorable. um, (laughs) I've already forgotten. But anyway, he plays Feliciano Lopez in the Arthur Ashe Stadium night match. uh, And that was going to be my name drop, by the way. I had a little drink with Feliciano Lopez on the eve of the tournament. Catherine Whittaker, and, uh, and he, was t- he was telling me about how, yeah, he, he, sort of, um, he, he still plans to carry on playing at least another year. So, you know, there you go.
5: Why, why, why wouldn't he? He's 35 years young.
2: That's right. It's, it, it's the new thing, isn't it?
5: It's the new thing, yeah.
2: So, anyway, uh, now I've done my name-dropping, Feliciano Lopez has been speaking to Catherine Whittaker ahead of his match with Roger Federer.
5: So Feliciano, big match coming up for you tomorrow on the Arthur Ashe Arena night session. How are you feeling about your tennis going into that?
4: I'm good, I'm pretty confident, no. I think I had a great start, you know, it was back to back matches, playing well and I had a tough draw, you know, Kuznetsov and Verdasco in the second round. So I think it's a great preparation, you know, to, to play against Roger tomorrow.
5: I know you don't have the best of records against Roger, but neither did Mikhail Yuzhny <laughs> going into the match yesterday. How much of that did you watch? And how much confidence does it give you?
4: Yeah, I think we were playing at the same time. No, I I watched a little, a few games of the fifth set. You know, when after I finished, but I haven't seen uh, Roger playing much this year in the Open. No, but it's it's another chance. You know, for me, it's a great opportunity to play Roger. You know, in this beautiful stadium, we we may not play again. No, might be the last time that that we play each other because we are very old. So. Who knows if I'm going to play Roger Federer again no? so uh, I take the chance I try to, I will try to do my best tomorrow no? and let's see what happens It's
5: funny, you know. I spoke to Tony Nadal and Carlos Moy the other day and asked them both the same question about whether they wanted Rafa to face Roger here. Carlos said absolutely yes, playing Roger Federer on the Arthrash Stadium is the best occasion in tennis and Tony said absolutely not that's a nightmare. How do you feel about it? Because at 35 you, you never know how many chances there are going to be? Uh, to be?
4: To be honest, it's difficult because yesterday when I when I when I finished my match, I was I was in the locker room watching a few the last two three games of the match and and I wanted to play Roger, but on the other way, you know, just just to just to be you know and try to advance in the draw. You don't want to play Roger Federer because he's probably the, the best player in the game right now. But on the other way, you want to play Roger in this stadium, no? Especially for me, we are the same we are the same age, so. It, it, it's maybe the last chance that, that I have to play, you know, against, uh, against, against Roger. No? And uh, I think it ended up both ways could have been great. So I play Roger, and I, I started from that. I, I take it.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it so Feliciana Lopez with you Catherine
5: what a lovely last answer that was I mean so so beautifully honest about about playing Roger Federer and the, and the conflict of feelings you know he gets to play Roger Federer in New York on Arthrash Stadium at night and that's basically the best thing in tennis isn't it I mean watching that for us is the best thing in tennis so can you imagine playing in that and yet he's probably going to lose He's got twelve and 0 record against him. Is that what it is? Yeah, he's probably going to lose. So, can we, can you
2: add up his record and David Ferrers and Mikhail Youzhny. And
5: then you know, so so then you you kind of have the mental processes going on of I'm thirty five. Is this? Am I going to try and sort of be realistic and and adjust my expectations? And it's not about winning. It's about experiences now and about just soaking in everything. And if you take that road, then I guess playing Federer on Arthur Stadium is. The best thing ever, but you know, if you want to win, it's probably not. But then, hey, like, like, like we chatted about, Mikhail Yuzhny had a pretty appalling record. He's still got an appalling record on paper, but paper doesn't tell the whole story.
2: No, it doesn't. Uh, he's a lovely bloke, is Feliciano Lopez. We, uh, the reason we met up with him is not because he fancied have it hanging around with me, I mean, it's about the last thing he wanted to do, but he did want to accept a quarter sized replica of the. Uh, queen's Club trophy that um, Mr. Stephen Farrow came over uh, from london to to award to him and, and I mean I think he was I think he was quite touched by it
5: oh he was fantastically touched by it. Um, I spoke to him uh, about it for an interview for for queens i hadn't realized that it was a total surprise to him to receive uh, that trophy, and his eyes completely lit up he was um, yeah he w- he was quite moved actually I think he speaks so beautifully ab- about Winning that title, it's the highlight of his career. It's wonderful.
2: Oh, well, I tell you what, might be a bit of a decent highlight if he were to beat Roger Federer on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, that is to be discovered, whether he will be able to do that. You'll be able to follow that, of course, on Eurosport as well. Um, we also... There's some other cracking matches tomorrow. How about this one? Yelena Ostapenko against Daria Kasatkina. I saw them play against each other in the Charleston final. Kasatkina won comfortably, and Ostapenko, I mean... She looked like she'd swallowed a grapefruit uh, when she was doing her uh, on-court interview at the end of it. Wasn't happy.
5: Lots happened since then, though. Lots happened. Well, for Ostapenko, not as much as we'd all hoped has happened for Kazakina.
2: What was that match you were waiting for with Ostapenko that you're hoping happens?
5: Ostapenko-Osaka, round Oh, and four. that can still
2: happen, because Os- oh. Osaka's still in. It
5: will happen, David. It will happen. Sorry, Daria.
2: Oh, OK. Uh, Catherine's very who confident. Osaka,
5: who does Osaka play?
2: Well, she's up later on against Kaya Kanepi. I haven't heard much about no. Kaya Kanepi for a while, uh, but that's on court five. There's so many good matches. Andre Rublev's out there against Damir Juma, uh on court five as well. Late on, there is um, John Milman who beat uh, Nick Kyrgios. He's playing tomorrow against Philip Kohlschreiber. Roberto and
5: Bautista Agut plays someone.
2: Juan Martin Del Potro is go. that someone.
5: And Dominic Team Adrian Manorino... Upset alert.
2: You always say this about poor old Dominic. You always think he's going to lose.
5: Adrian Manorino. No, I don't. I absolutely. Abs- no. <laughs> I mean, predicting an upset is not exactly a bold thing to do this week. Uh, and Adrian Manorino is really tricky. And he's the sort of tricky that can trouble Dominic team.
2: I- I'm going team.
5: Team, you and I both know, Dev, I hope I'm wrong, but you and I both know that team is exactly the sort of person that is going to do a Tim Henman and waste the opportunity of this gloriously open draw.
2: Oh, can't be- Tim is listening now and he's got his head. I mean, he's going to be on the phone any second.
5: Round of 16, top seed left in, lose to Jonas Bjorkman.
2: Yeah, but that's a lot. That, oh, come on, he, Tim Henman got to the semifinals of the U.S. Open, finals fi- of the French saying, Open.
5: You saying that wasn't a huge opportunity? Yeah, it was. A, it was a
2: huge opportunity. He you knows it. It yeah. was
5: gaping. Yeah, it was, so <laughs> so Tim hold Hemman, on. Why Tim is Hemman it? ain't losing any sleep at night. Why is Dominic know,
2: Teams, um draw so open? Though? I mean, he's not in the bottom half of the draw, is he?
5: No, but he, I, I mean, the the bottom half of the draw is only relatively extraordinarily open. The top half's still. I mean, it's still. All looking great. I know Federer and Nadal are in it, but we've all seen their matches so far. You know that (laughs) they're beatable. They are absolutely beatable unless they up their game. Are are we
2: going to get the semi? Do you think?
5: (sighs) Are we going to get the semi?
2: (sighs) Or is it going to be John Millman against um, someone
5: else? (laughs) Baptista Agut, Agut, isn't it? Uh, I'm saying yes. Are we going to get that semi? I would just say yes at this stage, but... Goodness me, that's a risky yes.
2: <laughs> Catherine Whittaker, can't wait. Uh, oh, neither can I. It's Saturday tomorrow. As we come from you now, uh, night session tonight. We'll we'll play it by ear and see if there's anything really exciting happens that we need to tell you about. If not, go <laughs> and have a look at the results somewhere, um, and you'll find out what went on. If, you, if we haven't, if we, if there's no more after I finish speaking right now, that's why. All right, nothing, <laughs> nothing dramatic has happened. Uh, really, I do need an early night's sleep because I've had a bit of one of those Kyle Edmund back injuries. So you know, don't all be sympathetic at once. But you know, it's been kind of that kind of couple of days. Catherine, go and uh, go and rest the sympathy
5: up. Sympathy pains. The sympathy pains with David Law. That's what happened to him today.
2: That's right. So we have been the tennis podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph and with Eurosport. Thank you for listening. Do review us on iTunes and on our Facebook page. Check out our Instagram. Go and buy a T-shirt. I saw one of our listeners posting on Twitter a picture of himself wearing his Tennis Podcast t-shirt in the Arthrash Stadium. How cool was that? I think it was Steve. rather well than Steve.
5: If anyone can come to the US Open wearing a Tennis Podcast t-shirt and have their photo taken with a police dog, you will be my hero.
2: What more incentive do you need? Thank you for your company. We'll speak to you soon.